Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hey, I heard you needed inspiration. He's a lot of end friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day. Every little thing's gonna be a-okay. Little known fact about my guest today, not only is she one of the best singers and actresses around, but the thing that kills me about this woman is what an extraordinary comedian she is. Every time I see her perform, it is undeniable that she sings incredibly well. Any kind of music, every kind of song, she just has a way of doing it that is um, undeniably brilliant. She's an incredible actress, but the other thing she does that I admire so much, her comedic skills, her ability to come up with these bits, every time I see her, she knocks me out with how brilliantly funny she is. So welcome my friend and brilliant performer, Lauren Marcus, to the podcast. Lauren Marcus to the podcast. How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. How are you? That is a very fair line reading. If this were an audition, I would not ask you to do it again because everything in that <laughs> I'm okay spoke volumes to yeah. how can you possibly answer that question right now? Right. Ugh. Yes. Like but, I am physically okay. I'll say that. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> But I feel really lucky that I get a little time right now to just get lost in one of my favorite humans on the planet, and that is you, Lauren Marcus. That's very sweet. Thank you. I'm I'm very happy to get to talk to you right now. Have you been quarantining at home in New York City, or did you guys leave New York when this all happened? We have been in New York City um, with a, a a brief little hiatus to Long Island. Um, Joe, my husband's family is there. Um, um, but we've, we've been in New York. Yes. And, and you've buried the lead for the one person uh, who lives (laughs) under a rock and didn't know that Lauren Marcus is married to maestro Joe Iconis. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, That is him. Mm -hmm. And is part of what has become known as, um, Joe Iconis and family. And, uh, you literally are. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I guess I am now. That's that's true. Literally part of the, the family of Joe Iconis. Yes. Married to it. <laughs> yes. Did you guys have um, a wedding? Yes, uh, we did have a wedding. We had um, we had like four weddings is the way we like to say it. We had um, so we had a really nice uh, on the smaller side kind of private ceremony and dinner um, one night. And then um, we threw a party the next night for all of our friends, like a, a few hundred people at the West Bank Cafe. 
um, the next night and down in the Laurie Beachman Theater kind of had a what we call we like to call the Marconis wedding jamboree. Um, yeah, we had a lot of celebrations. We we're we we're very, very lucky. <laughs> Nine million who, weddings. <laughs> who actually performed the wedding ceremony that was the legal ceremony? Oh, the legal ceremony um, was performed by Lance Rubin. Do you know? Wow, who? of course. Yeah, isn't that, he was, he's amazing. I mean, I think he's been hit up for a few weddings, so we, we were lucky to get him. Um, but he, he really did such a wonderful job. You know, we answered our like little questionnaires and it was really nice to have someone we love so much and who knows us so well marry us. And did he get like, I know you can be a captain of a ship, um, as well (laughs) as someone in the, uh, um, religious profession, Uh but I once performed a wedding ceremony and I got my, um, credentials in the back of Rolling Stone magazine. I joined the Universal Church. That was how I was able to get my credentials. How did Lance get certified to be an efficient? Or did you also go to City Hall? Question. No. So um, he got, you know what? I'm not going to have a good answer for you. He got something online. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. He got something online, you know? Okay. But we think you're legally married because Lance um, Rubin did it. Yes. I actually, I, I know we're legally married. And, and Lance was the one who, who said some words and did some stuff online. Yes. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. Like, I don't know, know better, how I but... went down the rabbit hole of like details about well, the um, official nature of your marriage. You but... know, Fun fact, I'm kind of like the world's worst bride. I'm like an anti-bride. I feel like everything that most brides get asked, I'm kind of like, eh, I don't really know. <laughs> like, <laughs> just... Well, in my research for um, this episode today, and it's always so fun deep diving into people you're friends with in real life. I feel like I have to do seven more hours of research to get into. So I really do a good job for my friend. Um, but one of the last things I watched was you singing recently for an Actors Fund benefit um Amy from Company singing I'm Not Getting Married, which is a role that you got to play for yeah. real. Yeah. I that do. is that is a character you must have understood fully. Um yes, yes. I I feel like I've always known um that that's kind of a a, a part I would strongly uh, relate to in terms of um it's it's a little embarrassing how dead on in the scene I feel like how uh, how much I understand the way uh, that woman although now it's not being played by a woman it's being played by a man but that person um uh reacts to the world around them um and uh I just understand the 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 frenetic nature <laughs> Of, yes. Of Amy. Yeah. Did you play Amy before or after you were actually a bride yourself? I played Amy after um, I was a bride. Um, and, you know, I don't, I probably shouldn't, I'm going to tell the story. We'll see. What's so funny is so like, like getting married, I'm really bad at making up my mind about everything. That was actually like part of my wedding vows. But Joe was like the easiest decision in the world. That was like, yeah, of course, of course we're going to get married. I was strangely calm when it came to marrying him. But what's so funny is I feel like a time, a time that I was, I, I really. Is Joe in the room right now? He's not in the room right now. Like this is going in a weird place that I don't think you're, you're, um, you're ready for. So I, I dated this very sweet guy several years ago who after four months proposed and I didn't know what to say. So I said, yes. And sure, because you're a nice person. Because <laughs> you don't want to let them down. You don't want to no. pick up, but you don't want to no. get married. So no. in the half hour from when I said yes to when I had to be like, no, this was a mistake, that I drew on heavily that yes. half hour for Amy, like pretending so, everything's okay. <laughs> so you had to do that. You had to be like, yes, no. Oh God. It was, it was, yes, I didn't, I really didn't, I didn't see it coming. I didn't know what to say. I was very cold. We were outside and he was such a sweet guy and I didn't want to break up. So I said, yes. And then, um, we got to a restaurant and he wanted me to try in the ring or take a picture of the ring. And I said, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> Did you get to keep the ring? No, I would never, I wouldn't. No, no way. And we didn't break up. You know, we stayed together for a little bit, but. Really? Yeah. You'd think that would have killed the whole thing, right? 
Well, um, not, I mean, I get it. Like I would have spent as long as possible still being with you no matter what. I understand really where he's coming from, but that's like a hard thing to like, okay, I'll have the, uh, the brisket. Like then you're ordering food and it's all awkward and, but it's, did he, we yeah, left. anyway. We, we left the restaurant. Um, yeah. because yeah. we couldn't, you know what, the, the relationship, um, we could sustain for a little while longer. We could not sustain the meal after that. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I get it. All right. Well, we're going to move on. God bless him. And God I am going him. to assume everything has worked out in his life I the way it was meant really, to. really feel like it has. Yes. Yes. For both yes. of us. And that guy is Lance Rubin. And guess what? <laughs> he performed the ceremony. That would be a really good full circle. That'd be a great story. Maybe I'll, I'll just change it so it ends that way. Lance would like that. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. Right? Why not? Everyone. Um, well, before there was uh, so many of us meeting you through the work that Joe wrote, which mm -hmm. is a, a lot of performing that you do around New York, um, you have been singing and acting for a very long time in all sorts of incredible projects. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about where you grew up and how, I think with you, if I recall, maybe acting came first and then music and roles came second. Yeah. It kind of happened at the same time. So I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. Um, I grew up in this uh, town called Glencoe, right next to Winneka, which is where my high school was. And it's weird. It's this high school called New Cheer that like a lot of random people went to. I feel like anytime Joe and I are watching TV, I'm like, they went to my high school, like Rock Hudson wow. and Margaret, uh, the Callaway sisters. It's really weird. Um, Did you have a stronger Midwestern accent when you were growing up? It was horrific. A lot of, it was, I mean, I have a tinge of it now, but I remember um, my brother went off to college and I met one of his, his, his friends who was from California. And when his friend met me and I spoke, his friend recoiled at, at my accent. He said it was the worst accent he's ever heard. It was very Chicago. And it was like, dad, Atlanta. Like it, it would, it, yes. Um, okay. I worked hard to get rid of it. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Okay. It was strong. She was strong. Um, she was strong. She was strong. Uh, but I, yeah, so I grew up in the suburbs and I always knew I was just singing, like truly from the age of four. I remember we saw um, Les Mis, like on tour. And I was like, I want to do that. Um, which I, you know, I joke about now. I don't know if you were the same way or not, but it's like deciding when you're five, what the rest of your life's going to be is either like the most beautiful thing of all time or the stupidest thing you could do for yourself. But that was it. I was like, that's what I'm going to do. Wow. Were you like that or did it take you a while? Yes, but I thought I was going to sell cars. I'm not kidding. What, what, I'll, I'll go back and answer the question, but I am curious. You never, we never have to circle back to that, but that just happens to be what I thought I was going to do. Honestly, I think is, that's really cool. Like, that's the coolest answer I've ever heard. Yes. When we, when we finish recording, I'll, yes. we could talk about that. I, I actually, please, would, I would love to hear that story. Um, okay. Great. Put a pin on that. Um, yes. But I, I saw Liam and I was like, that's what I want to do. So, you know, I was singing all the time. And I think that my parents, while they really liked it, weren't actually sure I had any talent or this is something they should like encourage or not. You know what I mean? Like in a real mm -hmm. way. Yeah. Um, they definitely thought it was fun, um, but they didn't know if I was actually any good or I don't know. Um, and then I, I like to say that my earliest acting um, lessons, I would just lip sync to any piece of music, like any pop song, oldies, musicals. I would lip sync them into a mirror until I would cry. Don't ask me why, but I like to <laughs> just like what I did. So I like to consider those my earliest weird acting lessons. Wait, but you could make yourself cry. I can't do it on cue. No, but I could work myself up into an emotional at the age of six, like singing something um, from Les Mis to the point where I could make myself cry. And I didn't even understand what was happening. I was just very moved by the music, you know? Yeah, yeah um, it's moving. It is. And, like, I un I understood that even if I didn't quite understand what I was actually singing about. Um, and so I auditioned for my first show when I was in sixth grade, uh, Bye Bye Birdie, and I got a part. And then that's kind of when everyone got on board with <laughs> the dream a little bit. 
Like, okay. So you were like 11. Yeah, I was 10 when I auditioned. Uh, and okay. I was like 11 when the show happened. And that's really when I think it was like, okay. Like other, I think my family could be like, oh, okay. It's not like completely, um, am I allowed to swear on here? I, it's yes. done great. Completely batshit crazy that this might be something that, you know, she continues to do. Um, cause it's hard. Are you taking singing lessons and dancing classes no, and are you do, or just I doing shows? School shows. And then in high school, I was really lucky. The schools I went to had incredible like arts programs. And so mm-hmm. I, that was kind of the earliest training. I mean, I took a couple singing lessons, but they weren't really singing lessons. It was just like, you'd sing songs and you wouldn't work on them. So that didn't really come till college. Yeah. Okay. And so what were some of the highlights? Like Bye Bye Birdie, what a great starting off point. Bye Bye Birdie, Bye Bye Birdie was the show that followed me. I did it in sixth grade, 10th grade, and then I auditioned in 12th, but I declined the part because my parents didn't want me driving home at night over the icy bridge. Got it. <laughs> Got it. Fair enough. Right? Was that um, now, when we go back to that moment, was that devastating that they said no? Or you were like, okay, I've already done that one a couple of times. I'll give that one up. Um. I was frustrated, but I actually, we moved from Chicago to Garrison, New York, my senior year of high school. And um, what's weird is nobody at my high school knew that that's really what I did. So it was, and I, and I'd, sorry, and I'd started taking voice lessons at that point uh, with my professor at NYU, who I ended up studying with in college. I guess I did start my senior year. So, so so what, that is a, like my daughter is about, I mean, it's, it's almost she? summer. She is 16. So she wow. is going oh, into wow. her senior year. And the idea that we would move right now. Bananas. Um, yes. So mm-hmm. was that, why did your family move? I think then? I always knew that I was going to be heading to the East Coast because I talked mm-hmm. about it so much. And right. I think they kind of wanted to be close. And my dad, uh, you know, had done some like freelance work that he could kind of do on the East coast as well, as much as he could do uh, in the Midwest. And so we just went, it is a weird time to move. I'm not going to lie to you. I also, my high school um, nutrier, while I have a lot of really great memories was a little insane. It was one of those like um, thousand kids per grade. You're there from 7am till 11pm every day. Like one of those schools. And while it was really incredible in a lot of ways, it was a, a bit much, I think, for a teenager. And so I think that if I had to guess, that was a little bit uh, part of the reason behind my parents' move right. as well. And did you make friends easily when you moved or was that a traumatizing year? <laughs> I actually like, I I did. And they were really, really really nice kids and none of them knew I did theater. It, I told them I did it, but they'd never seen me do it, which was kind of like great in a weird mm-hmm. way, which is why I was fine not doing the show. You know what I yeah. mean? They kind of liked me completely independently <laughs> from singing Not knowing you were a star. They not just liked star, you. Right. Absolutely yes. not. But they were, they were so, yeah, they were they were such uh, they were such sweethearts. Actually, now I think back about it, um, like really welcoming to the new girl. Yes, and like I still talk to some of them sometimes. I don't keep in touch with a lot of friends from from high school and junior high. I have like one best friend, um, but they were yeah, they were they were so nice. Um, yeah. And so you did not do shows when you joined the high school in Garrison that year. No, but I, I was taking voice lessons, so it was like I had that happening. Um, that part of it. So I think I was fine not doing the show that year. And then yeah. you applied to NYU. I did. Yeah. Um, so I'd only ever heard of Tish. Um, and then I'd done a pre, like a pre-college, one of those programs at Syracuse right before we moved. And they recommended, cause we told them we were going to New York. That's how I got in touch with someone at Steinhardt at NYU. And I started taking voice lessons there. And then once I found out that program existed, I applied and went there. And is that the beginning of your coming into New York? Would you guys come see shows in New York when you moved here? Or did that all begin Mm -hmm. more in earnest when you started going to school in the city? When I started going to school in the city. I I think I had a huge, um, I knew the shows that I knew, but I really didn't, there was so much I didn't know about theater. And yeah, that's really when it started. 
would say. And when you're at Stein, didn't Will Roland go to Steinhardt? Yeah. Do you know how Will Roland and I met? It's very funny. It's weird. No, I do not. Um, so I was a senior and I was the, um, I worked as the assistant to the head of the vocal performance program we both went to. And so I answered all emails for like incoming students and their parents. And I kept getting um, these emails from, oh, can you hear me? Totally. Okay. I just want to make sure my computer's doing something weird. And that would be, I would never live with myself if it like. No, I can hear you perfectly. Oh my God. Great. Okay. Sorry. I just had a heart attack. Um, No no heart attacks on this episode. So uh, I kept getting all these incoming, these emails from this incoming freshman named Will Roland, who wouldn't stop asking me about his math classes and his music theory classes. And they all addressed me as Professor Marcus. (laughs) So I like, it was really out of control, the amount of emails he would send. And so we first met, like I finally had to be like via email. I'm not a professor. Um, Have a good year here. I'm graduating. It's just very wild to think we've known each other for like 14 years. And that's, that's how it started. And that's so part of, that makes so much sense in terms of who he is. He likes information. He loves information. Um, Yeah. I just think it's so funny. We didn't even overlap at school. And yet somehow he still made his way like into our lives. Joe's too. And Joe and I, you know, like didn't even really know each other. It was so weird. He just somehow found both of us while he was in school. (laughs) There was no right. There shouldn't have been any overlapping at all. And yet. And yet here we are. Wait, So when you're in school, you were not in school with Joe? We were there at the same time. There, There was some overlapping, but we never knew each other. So you weren't in the same program? No, no. And he was, he's like four years older than me. So no. He is much older than you. Yeah, he's about, he's about 15 years older. No, he's like four or five years older than me. (laughs) So he's in like a composer track and like that's a different school. So it's, well, he did undergrad else at the same school, Steinhardt. And then he did his master's at Tisch in graduate musical theater writing. And that was a different school, but there was... But he graduated. We never knew each other while we were there together. And when you're in school, I know, you know, you're not supposed to audition for stuff during the school year. Are you starting to work professionally at the same time or in the summer? Like, how are you getting your toes wet in the world of performing professionally? I had the most incredible thing happen that also was, uh, I feel like, the weirdest thing to happen in my career. So I went to the summer before my, everything's the summer before my senior year, the summer before my senior year of college, I went to um, an open call for Hello Dolly at Paper Mill Playhouse because we kind of start to go to summer stock calls and things like that. Yeah. um, Just to see like what real auditions are like. And that was also part of our assignment for class. Um, And I went and I was typed in and then they had me stay and sing and then they call me back and then they call me back and then I got my card and I got like an equity principal contract from an open call. Um, and What so role did you get? I played Ermengarde in Hello, Dolly. Yes. Okay. And so it was amazing. But also, Alana, it set me up. I was like, this is going to be a fucking breeze. It <laughs> remained the best paying contract I had until last year. Like, right. and that was so long ago. Yes, <laughs> 14 yes. years ago. <laughs> Fascinating, right? So it was unbelievably like lucky and amazing that it happened. But it really did set me up for thinking that everything was going to be super easy and smooth when it, it just couldn't have gone more differently. But um. But I did have that, and it, it the timing was so perfect. It was just like right in the summer slot between junior and senior year. I got my card. That was amazing. But other than that, no, I didn't have any other professional auditions. Mm-mm. Okay, so then you go back to school, you finish yep. up, mm-hmm. and now when you were doing Hello Dolly, did you get an agent? I didn't. You ready for this? Yep. Um, I couldn't get an agent until this past Christmas, like an out and out agent. I got zero response from Showcase. Zero. Nobody. Nothing. Nada. Um, yeah. And so, um, I mean, I don't. I don't. I. I. I was gonna say I don't know what to say. I have a lot to say, but it, that's. It's okay. Like it's all. It's all okay with how it happened. Um. But no. Uh, Hello, Dolly didn't bring that. Showcase didn't bring that. <laughs> but you have worked so much. So how did all these jobs? I mean, you've worked regionally. You've worked in. I mean, so yeah. many things. Had to happen. 
<laughs> so did you have a manager? Are you still going through backstage on your own until Broadway? Like I need to understand. Yeah, it's it's so it's weird. Okay, so I graduated. So what was amazing about my time at Steinhardt is um, we had, because of John Simpkins, um, he's the head of Penn State Musical Theater right now, and he was a professor at NYU at the time. He's also a professional director. Um, he directed a bunch of shows I was in at NYU, and he was really big on working with the new writers at NYU in in the Tisch um, Graduate Musical Theater Writing Program, which Joe was in. So because of John and his connection there, I got to know Joe. I got offered, I did a show, and um, because of John's connection, my first professional job, uh, which happened right after graduation, was with... Um, in Michael R. Jackson and Rachel Peters' show, Only Children, which was like a, a director's lab at Lincoln Center. I um, worked a lot with Gabby Alter, um, who uh, was a writer there. It was like, I just lucked out in terms of the fact that I got introduced to like all the best writers I, I, I still know today. <laughs> you wow. Know? So that program really was yes. incredible in that way. And John in particular. Yeah, John was, I mean, I've, been thinking about this a lot uh, in the last year. John was really instrumental in in a lot of what uh, in who I've become as a performer, and also just who I've gotten to work with and the opportunities. So it's like because because I got connected to all of these writers, I would get asked to do concerts. I would get asked to do workshops because they they knew who I was, and then because of those, that's where the other opportunities came. Um, I also like, like an insane person went to EPAs every day for like seven years, like right. crazily attended those. <laughs> and, and did you get work from those? Um, I feel like I have it down to, it's like one in every 50 would bring me some kind of callback or something. Yes. Yeah. And it like, it sucked, but also it's like, to me, it's worth the chance, you know? I mean, I wasn't right for a lot of this stuff, but every so often I would hit on something that they'd call me back in for and I'd get to know someone, you know? And how did you, because that's a lot of getting up and putting your book together and your outfit together and waiting online. Did you feel like you were part of a community of people doing this and that you were making friends with people who were sort of doing the same thing? Were you kind of more to yourself throughout the process? What was that for you? Was I, there a social component? I didn't, I, I didn't r really love to be social with those things. I think it's really hard. It took me a couple of years to learn that it's like, it's, it's probably smarter to like, to just kind of keep to yourself and focus on what you're doing there. Cause when you get distracted, even if with, with it's people you love, it, it's kind of like, you're not as focused on what you're there trying to do and also there's some people who are just you know not nice people and they're really going to try to take you out of whatever mental space Your you're zone. in yeah. yeah um or friends who are so lovely and they do that anyway just because of their own I think I've done it to other people where it's like you're insecure you're feeling crazy about something and you won't shut up to the person you're with you know what I mean <laughs> I do that all the time <laughs> when you talk about being typed in which is yeah. how you described your hello dolly audition mm -hmm. yes um if you were to type yourself in, what does that mean? Or what did that mean at the time? It meant something different at the time. I was a different, oh, this is like a multi, this is like, I was, a, I was a different person then when I graduated. I was like Miss Musical Theater wearing like a jewel tone skirt and heels to auditions. Like I was, I was that girl, which is very funny to me. I also yes. had not started writing or playing with my band yet or doing all of those things that I do now too. Um, and I didn't quite understand who I was as a, a person or a type. I'm not even sure I do now. And I think that's something that I'm kind of just like, I am what I am and I don't want to be put in any sort of box. But at the time I, I feel like I was, I kept trying to fit into these boxes that didn't fit at all. And I, I think I was in between type. And so I, it was, I'm not, I'm not doing a great, a great job. No, I think it's the it. hardest. I mean, it's, it's, um, 
it's such a hard question, but I do know that often when we get out of college, we come out of it with like, oh, I'm an ingenue. I'm a yeah. soprano. I'm these are the parts I got. And so you think this is what I need to keep doing. Well, and- I mean, it's hard and also like I'll be I don't know, I'll be I can I'll I'll be very honest. I also was dealing with a lot of like body issues and food issues when I got out of college. And so I was really, I really didn't understand what my type was and also took great offense at being put in a box one way or the other, because also my body had changed so much over several years and then continued to do so. I think now I can look at a role and understand if there's a world I could play it, but then I thought I could do everything and I was all types. Like, Mm -hmm. Um, and I understand now that that's more a personality thing. And then I would really only think of it, I guess, as like a, a physical thing. And I would be like, I can play anything. I don't think I'm doing a great job of answering this. Well, you are. I mean, the truth is you can play anything. I mean, that's the truth. I, th- I, d- I think it's a lot better now than it was even like 15 years ago. 15 years ago, it felt like you could only be – xyz based on how you looked and now it feels like that is starting to open up in a much cooler way than well, it was even just the lane of musical theater versus straight actor right yes. in terms yeah. of yeah. you know the whole time I've said this before but the whole time I was doing this play this year with Eric William Morris I kept saying to my cast like you know he so like amazing right everything yeah. he's doing right now is mind blowing do you know that he sings like nobody else on the like, planet you and they know were like, about him yeah and it was Eric <laughs> and Greg Edelman and you know yeah. these are major musical theater people yeah. um and Eric and I talked a lot about like how meaningful it was to him to be in a play and not I, to have done oh. King Kong and then be told like okay that's what you do now forever yes. and that's a huge thing for me that's still something i i um i think about it's it's hard for musical theater people uh to to be taken seriously in the other other world and honestly like if i could choose if I could choose one world, it would be it would be the straight acting world. As much as I love musical theater, it would be straight acting. Um, because I just I think it's it's first of all, I'll always have my band. So yes, <laughs> you get to always sing no matter what. But it's it's for me, it just feels much more about like the human, the not that you're not you don't experience the emotion when you sing. I don't I don't know, Alana. Maybe. I'm trying to, why, why is it? Maybe it's because I don't want to worry about my voice. It's exhausting. Every day of the week. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's like, I love when I don't have to sing. Um, yes. That is one part of it. <laughs> yes. No, I mean, one is like, you know, the expectation from your body to mm-hmm. get a, a, to, to be able to, because with singing often comes dancing also. Yeah. It's not like you just get to walk on and sing pretty and walk off. They also need you to have like some kind of aerobic craziness going on at the same time. It's Too bananas. much, first of all. But it's you know what? Music is like, it is straight acting. You're just adding music on top, right? Yeah. So it's like, I to me, it's like I would, I, if I had to, I wouldn't want to, but I take off the thing that's added on top and keep the bass. Yes. I guess it's all about the base. It's it's, it's all about the base. (laughs) I'm 100 years old and I just made that I love that song. I'm so glad you did. (laughs) So a very meaningful, um, not just romantic relationship and life relationship, but an incredibly meaningful artistic relationship uh, began with Joe Iconis. Um, You were saying during school or around the time that you were still in school through John Simpkins introduction. How so we, is it that you guys first started working together? Well, his his version of the story is that he saw me um, in Merrily We Roll Along and he became a big fan and he always likes to tell the story that um, the way we like started dating is kind of like the ultimate. You, If you're a stalker, you too can marry uh, the person you're a fan of. Um, that is a book he needs to write. <laughs> yes, I hope he does. Um <laughs> But John, call, uh, Joe actually called me one day because they'd had someone who couldn't make a reading of this show called Black Suits um, that he'd been working on at the time. And it was a really informal reading. Um, 
I remember in the office of Telsey and he, I had this message that was like, if you can't call me back in 10 minutes, I'm going to have to ask someone else. And I was like, oh my God. Cause you know, I knew who he was. You did. You back. were already aware of his work. Yes. In school. He was a very cool new writer that everybody knew. Um, and uh, so I called and him back. He left and you the message. It wasn't a casting director. He directly left you a message he asking you to be in the did. reading. And I'm leaving out a vital part of the story, which is that, you know, I was 21. And when he called, I was unbelievably hungover and throwing up um, <laughs> when he called. And so I came back from being sick to get this message. And then because I was 21, was able to pull myself together and go to a reading like an hour later. And that's how it began, this collaboration. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And do you remember, were there other people that you still know and work with that were in that reading? Yes. So the first person I met that day was Jason Williams. Because um, we he's, I, fun fact about him, he is early to everything, everything. He'll be the first person there. So I, like I mm -hmm. So I met him that day. I... Who else was in that one? May I ask you a question yeah. about the great Jason Williams? Yeah, Who sure. played Mr. Here in Be More Chill and <laughs> co-wrote Broadway Bounty Hunter and has been in many iconic projects. His professional name is Jason Sweet Tooth Williams. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can you just as an aside explain that? I don't know if I can. Uh <laughs> End scene. I I understand it's a nickname that's been around for a, a long time. And then either him or Joe was like, this is cool. You should keep this as an, you should, you should talk to him. And get I will. I will. Story. I just have, every time I see him, I'm like, I really want to ask him. What, and then, what, I, yeah. Ask him. Ask him. Okay. I don't, I don't have the story. Uh, okay. It's been around a long time. Like, was there another Jason Williams in the union and he needed to put in another name and then <laughs> it was. I don't know, but you're right. We digress. And this I'm is your so sorry. Story. I'm so sorry. I, I wish I had like a great story to tell you. I just, I don't. Um, well, so he's going to tell it. It's all good. I'll tell it to you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he was in the reading though, and he was early, which is a quality we admire. We love. Yes. Um, Lance was there. Um, Lance, the man who married us. Um, <clears throat> I remember. Uh, Matt Hinckley was there who had been a senior in my program when I was a freshman. And so I knew who he was, but he, he works with Joe um, a lot as well. Uh, he's uh, an MD now. Um, and it was, it was a private reading. So there weren't that many other people in the room. Got it. Got it. And were sparks flying between you guys immediately? And was everyone in the room like, Whoa, what's going on between them? So I, I was, I, was, <laughs> I was dating someone <clears throat> at the time, but I definitely knew I had a crush on Joe and we would, we would, um, I almost said we would Instagram that didn't exist then we would instant message on you would Morse code. You would, would Morse code. code. <laughs> it was pre it's pretty, yeah, it was pretty cool. <laughs> the idea of that. Tick, 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 tick. Yeah. But it was pretty clear from like our aim conversations that we would be flirting. And um, I was actually still dating this other guy when Joe asked me to do a concert for him. Um, so I went and did the concert. It was at the D Lounge at the New York Theater Barn. And right after I sang um, a song called Joey is a Punk Rocker, I went off stage and he announced to the entire audience, which included both of our families, our immediate families, that he had a big crush on me. Um, it was very suave. It clearly worked. Um, and so then I was like, oh, no. Like, what am I going to do? He likes me. Um, so we began dating. We dated for almost a year. Um, and then we broke up for about three and a half, four years. And then we got back together. So this is round two. And you went to Glasgow. I did. Glasgow. I went to you, you said Glasgow. Yeah. Glasgow. I didn't know that till I got there. Glasgow. Mm -hmm. So how does that fold itself into this journey? That folds itself into this journey because we broke up and we still worked together when we were broken up. We did like an entire show, to, two shows together, actually. We did Plant the Day Dirty Socks at Theater Works and then Rewrite at Urban Stages. And 
we were able to deal with each other like in the room and within the context of the show, but it was very hard socially. It was very hard emotionally because I still had feelings for him and we couldn't really stay away from each other. Um, and then we would, it was just awful. I feel bad for people who had to witness those nights of us being out and like screaming at each other. Um, is that what happened? Like screaming at each other? No, I mean, I think I'm, I'm exaggerating. No, we would have lots of talks. We would have to have lots of talks because it would be really difficult to see him like, you know, flirting with somebody else. And then it it was, it was rough. Awful. Um, and then I'd always thought, like thought about going to grad school for just acting and I also was like I need to get the hell out of New York I can't I can't be around this this is like a destructive cycle right now in my life wow Um, and so those two things kind of like went hand in hand and I got out of New York and I got to go uh focus on my master's degree in another country in another country so Mm -hmm. what had you traveled a lot and before then no. in your life? No, I think I'd maybe been out of the country once to London in like third grade, but not other than that. And how long was that program? It was just a year. Other masters are a year over there. And masters did you there. did you love it? Um, no. <laughs> I miss Joe. I miss fighting with Joe in New York. Joe, I will say that I it was really good for me in that aspect. It really was, um, because uh, I kind of just needed to learn how to become my own person, you know. Um, but my program, <clears throat> my program was really new. It was in its second year, mm-hmm. and um the undergrad program at that school, now they're called the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland. They used to be called Royal Scottish Academy of Music and Drama. Really, really wonderful program. The The graduate program was new. And I think I thought I was going to be like, it was going to be me and a bunch of people not from the States. And like half the course were people from the States. And I was like, what am I doing in a different country if I'm not like completely immersing myself in something different? Um, and so I tried to make the most of being somewhere else. And I think with that mindset, it ended up being a great experience. But um, look at me. I'm really like, <laughs> really telling the truth today. It's um, good. Yeah. Um, uh, and I've said the same thing in some feedback emails, you know. Um, it just it just wasn't, I, I wanted a little bit more from the course, but also, you know what? I am who I am today because of it. And that's really where I started in earnest writing songs for the first mm. time. So maybe, maybe it had to happen that way. Yeah. So, you yeah. Know? Did you have like a ukulele with you in your dorm room there? Well, like, are you- funnily enough, I, the, the reason I started playing the ukulele is, um, so I'd always like kind of written songs a little bit, but was very insecure about the fact that I'm not a great technical musician. I took eight years of piano. I can't get past a certain point on the guitar. Like I can kind of play a lot of instruments, but I'm very bad. I'm not being modest. Like I'm just not, I'm not good at them. Um, And so I was cast in a production um, of Hamlet. And I I want you to know that I played Polonius, Hamlet's father. Um, Pretty appropriate, you know? Yeah. Um, typecasting. So is this when you were in grad school or is this? Yes. I okay. was 24. Okay. Playing Hamlet's oh, father. Sure. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I was so frustrated with that experience that on our lunch break, I went and bought this ukulele. I haven't told this story ever. I don't think, um, at a store that was just down the street, it was like very cheap, probably equivalent of like 20 bucks. And I, started channeling my frustration into like obsessively learning the ukulele. And um, that was kind of the way I was first able to start writing, writing my songs. You know what I mean? Um, It was like a portable instrument that I could play well enough that I could, I could play what I wanted to. Um, Yeah. So that's how I started with the uke. And that's really where I started to learn. Maybe I should just thank them. You know what? Maybe it's great. That was a frustrating program. Is there another feedback questionnaire with like, additional comments and you can say actually I'm not finished maybe I maybe I maybe I will it's been a year since I sent that last one so maybe yeah, I'll do it another time one. Yeah. um the thing that has always struck me it is there is no debate on the planet ever about what a magical singular beautiful voice that you have and your songs that you write are so 
you know, I mean, everyone after this conversation, if they haven't already discovered them, will will go listen to all oh. of the music that you've written and all the albums that you've created. But the thing that always blows me away uh, when I watch you perform is your comedic skill. It oh, is that, that coming from you that really, really well, means a lot. I appreciate that. But every time I see you, like. I, I don't think people understand because you bring so much heart and soul and integrity and truth to every character that you play. And you have played a what you know, from Amy and company to Audrey in um, Little Shop of Heart. No, yeah. Audrey's the yeah. no, no, Audrey. Audrey. Yeah, they're both it. It's Audrey and Audrey too. Sorry, so my mind just exploded for a minute. I was like, wait, are they? Yes, that's the whole point of the story. Um, spoiler <laughs> alert, that's why it's called Audrey 2. Uh, but there's like this, like, Lucille Ball, like, Lily Tomlin, like the great comedians. And I'm wondering... Um, where that comes from. Like, I, I remember telling you this after Be More Chill, like just sort of couldn't even find the words to express. And I would just look at Joe and he'd be like, I know, I know. And I couldn't even get into all the moments specifically that blew me away because no one wants to hear those because then you get to them and you're like, oh, that's the moment that's really good. And now I can never do it again. But really what's that? How do you build these performances? How do you um, work that way? I think it's a couple things. One thing I remember with um, Amy is that when I was auditioning for the part, I would picture it in my head and then like I, it, I would make myself laugh. Like I just try to – like I would just picture things that would make me laugh. I think human behavior is so funny. Um and You're Madeline Kahn funny. So were you watching a lot of comedy, like screwball comedy? Growing up? Growing up? I don't, I, I really, really wasn't. I feel like I like really stuck to the things I knew and that, no, I was watching Sit by the Bell. It's like embarrassing. Um, I well, mean, as an adult, that, I. Sit by the Bell is a very good show. <laughs> it's not I Saved loved it. I yes. absolutely loved it. Um. I don't know. I, oh God. But you can see it and then you can do it. Yes. You know, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah. I think I've learned the most acting from like working with other actors. And I think something that I really started to realize in college is that holding back gets you nowhere nowhere and I've never been interested in performances where I can tell people are like a little afraid to go there it's just like it always brings out whether it's comedic or whether it's tragic it's it's always kind of the the thing you don't want people to see about you that is the most that that to me is the most touching or the most funny and so I, I think it's like I've tr just tried to remove this lid on myself somewhere probably like about five years ago I really started thinking about it where I just tried to stop filtering mm. Have, I tried to stop having any control about what I looked like on stage. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't care about that anymore. I'm really insane about photographs. I'm insane about having to see myself on the screen. I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I get crazy about that. But if, if, if I'm on stage or I think, like, if a camera's in front of me and I don't have to look at it immediately, um, I think I've gotten really good at taking away the part of, of my brain that goes, don't do that. You're going to look, you're going to look stupid. I just, I, I, it, it served me nothing in my life. And so I think that that has been my greatest, my greatest help in comedy because I, I don't care at all what I look like. And I, I think that's something that so, so many people don't even know, um, like plagues them in the back of their mind a little mm -hmm. bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
and women yeah. especially w- women especially and I yeah yeah women think about it all the time and um yeah I just try to let that go and I don't even mean I definitely mean that physically but also I just mean it's like I think it's a really scary thing to show your show any sort of vulnerability in that way um and people either sometimes they just try to manufacture it or they kind of just like let the lid off and let themselves go a little crazy and like that's what I like to watch and that's what I it's more fun to do and Mm -hmm. in a weird way it's it's less work you don't have to you don't have to manufacture it. You just, just like, up. Oh, you want to see something crazy? Here you go. <laughs> like it's, it's there. And it's you've had there. directors. Have you had for the most part directors who encourage that in the yes, room? Yes. And I don't, I, yes. And I actually think that it's something that's been like, um, really appreciated. Um, and it's like, you can always tone it down. You can't always get it there. You know what I mean? Um, and so I, I've definitely been told to tone it down before and then that's okay. It's like, just put the lid on a little bit. Like that's yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, and that's, I just think it's an easier and more fun way to, to, to do things. And maybe I just have a weird sense of humor, like what I find funny or it's really specific. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I've done a great job of answering the question. Well, it sounds like it's so instinctual for you. It is. And like, it's such a relief to, to do it that way. And once I, once I found something that really feels right, it isn't very hard for me to like, um, to, to get there again, as long as I understand That's that we want to tell on it. Yeah. Because to be mm-hmm. able to do it every single night, the kind of science yeah. and technique and technical yeah. aspect of a sharp, it's sharp. Like your performances are so sharp and I got it's to see musical. So that's <laughs> it too. Like you understand yeah. the rhythm. Yeah. And I, I think if it's like, if I, if I did it enough in rehearsals or during the show where I know that it's like a genuine, honest thing from within me and there, there, there of course are nights where you're just like, I'm tired. Like, I don't know if I can do that again. Like mm-hmm. maybe I don't want to do that double take. Maybe I don't. Then at that point, I feel like if you're actually like physically manufacturing it, it doesn't, it doesn't feel gross because you know it is from someplace inside of you where it has happened. I wish I had a great answer to give you. Like I, I, I like grew up studying Lucille Ball, who I love. I love all those women, Lily Tomlin. Like I, I'm obsessed with them now, but I, di- I didn't, I didn't grow up learning their language. So right, because a lot of people start out by mimicking something that they loved and then finding, you know, their own way to it. And I find it all the more extraordinary that it's just so intuitive for you and natural and based in truth. That's what, when it started happening in college, like I could, I could feel the the response. Mm -hmm. I, I, I could just feel it was different in a room when I let myself, when I took off that filter from when I didn't, it felt different as a performer and it felt different to feel what I was getting back from the audience. And then, and then it became easier to let myself go in that direction of not caring. (laughs) When you're in a show with someone, are you someone who can watch what other people are doing? Go, I wish I were directing this because I have a really funny bit that could work for them. Or do people come to you and be like, I need a bit here. Or like, I need like Roger Hart. (laughs) This is a million years ago, but don't Uh turn around. Like he, he's like a natural vaudevillian, like vaudeville to Snoopy. And that's Mm -hmm. why it was so and I remember watching him and it really was like he would be outside every hotel that we were staying at along the way before we came to Broadway when we did our out-of-town tour like refining meticulously that's amazing like, yeah like it really was it was like watching a scientist at work and then and then he would do it and it was so organic and fresh every night and, and funny. But yeah. I remember we'd all be like, Roger, can you come here a minute? I need a help. Like, I need help. I, I'd be like, do that for me. Um, <laughs> do you have that eye and that director's hat on that also yes. in something? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I do. I do. I, I do. 
I do. Yeah. With myself and with other people. What was so funny is I remember during Be More Chill is like, I felt like everyone was that type of performer. It was really crazy. Mm -hmm. Like everyone was out of their minds in that way and had such great um, ideas, timing and ideas. The ideas, I can't believe the creative team didn't just like line us up and smack us at the end. Like, like the ideas (laughs) were so out of control. We called it Be More Bits because (laughs) nobody could be stopped. We called it Be More Bits. Since like since two river, yeah, a few more bits. Um, it was insane, <laughs> but, but it worked. Yeah, I I like to think so. Um, but yeah, yeah. I I'm I I have I have had people not not so much now, but I I remember more in college. People would ask would ask me um would come up and be like, what, do you have an idea of like what to do here? I I always have ideas. It's very it's very fun. Um. But um, I would never inflict them. Of course, of course. (laughs) These are like backdoor, you know, backstage conversations, and the director is not around. But it is fun when you get some. Like Will, Will and I a lot. We'd be like, "Wait, I have an idea," and like you know, back and forth, and then work on something. Like it, it is fun when you find another person who's very of a very similar mindset, and then you just keep like one upping each other. Yeah, yeah. And you got to do be more chill at least three times in production. I'm sure you worked on it in all sorts of ways, but yeah. how fun to keep revisiting something at this these different points in your life and bring it, added experience to it, I imagine. It was. And like what I was saying, I like about not caring in a certain way, which it, it was over like a four year period. I could even feel the difference by the time we got to Broadway that like in I, I was four years older and like I really even had let some of stuff I didn't know was there four years ago go in terms of like, I don't care how I look in this uh, yeah. because like it, doing um doing I remember when we first staged Do You Want to Ride? I, w- I was mortified. Like, I don't think I'd ever like had to do anything like sexual like that on a stage, just movement, even like even though that's to me it's not her it's her trying to be sexy it's not actually sexy you know what I mean yeah but Um, it's it's bold yeah it's bold and so coming back four years later it was funny to rehearse it again and be like oh I don't feel the same sort of complete embarrassment at um you were less shy yeah yeah that's incredible that's incredible um you know I I wonder we're, we're at a strange moment where it's hard to know if if future plans that we had before the pandemic, obviously right now, certainly Broadway cannot come back for many, many months and, and smaller venues as well. Do you have um, in conversations you've been having with people who Mm -hmm. make theater, Mm -hmm. what are you hearing or what, what might you want to share about what you think the future beyond zoom and finding ways to do things virtually, which I've been so inspired by and you and Joe in particular have shared so much content (laughs) with us. And it's so, it's so beautiful. And we get to see you at home together and we all have a lot of, you know, romantic um, notions (laughs) and obsession with your relationship that you guys share a lot of. So I guess I want to talk about a little, two things. One, what is it like to be a couple that so many people are interested in and how do you figure out how much behind the scenes to share? Uh Um, Because I'm sure the feedback is, feels great and there's a lot of it. And then what do you think the future of theater and how do we come back? Two very different questions. Two different questions. Okay. So me and Joe, I think we're both very open people. Um, so in terms of deciding like what to share, I think, I mean, I definitely, I think like the world I share are like our more joyful moments, like when we're laughing, but what you're seeing isn't insanely far off from who we are. Like when we're, together we're we, we get along really well like that's we laugh a lot you know I think that's why um that's why it works out um and then whenever I'm weird about posting something Joe's the one who's always like post it who cares and he says to me I, I'll ask him too I'm like do you care if I put up this photo because I'm the worst I'll be I'll be upset at him if he puts up a photo that I I didn't approve of or like yeah he couldn't care less he goes I don't care you can post whatever you want you can say whatever you want about me I don't care which I think is pretty um, 
pretty generous. Yes. Um, and uh, I'm not sure if there's another part of the But question, you're used to but, at this point. Like you guys are used to it. We, we, we are, we are used to it. It's funny, like in, in rooms, there are still a lot of times people who don't know that we're married. Cause I think we act differently. We don't like avoid each other, but we're both very much there for the work. Like I'm not, I can't, well, it grosses me out to even think about like going up to him, like putting my arms around him in a rehearsal room. Like that's just not really, that's not what we do, you yeah. know, when we're at work. So it is very funny. Sometimes we'll get in a room and people won't know that we're married, which still happens. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, not if they're on Instagram. Not if they're on Instagram. Yeah. Um, uh, but you guys have fun doing that together and we, celebrating your relationship with others. We do. We do. And I, I like to celebrate it too. He's so, he's so, so supportive. Like, I don't think I would be writing or playing my music in nearly the same way because he's so encouraging of it. And I also mm-hmm. really hope when we share it, um, I think about this a lot. I hope that um, people are seeing that it's possible to be in a relationship with someone um, where they're also a cheerleader for you mm-hmm. um, and you can be too independent people it's not like a codependent unit you know what I mean yeah that's really important to me I actually it's weird as I feel like I end up talking about this whenever I'm with a group of like younger people (laughs) I end up talking to them about this because I don't think I understood until I was a little older that you don't you don't have to give up like a major part of yourself to be in a relationship like that and um it's 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 normal or not normal it's it's good to be in a relationship to have someone cheering you on not trying to hold you back in any way and I think sometimes it's like um they might hold you back a little bit because they love you very much and want you to be there all the time and it's like when you start going after like career goals it sometimes feels like it's getting in the way of the relationship but I just with my whole heart believe it's like you're not going to be satisfied as a person with your relationship unless you're also pursuing those things as well yeah yeah Um, it's important for me for um I think younger people to hear that because I think there's a tendency to be like my whole life is my relationship and that's it (laughs) but what an extraordinary thing that you guys have that that you yeah. guys have that faith in each other and joy with each other. And, and we both that know you how can... important it is to yes. the other person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that you get to do it sometimes together, which is also yes. amazing. It's really cool. Yeah. That's very, very special. Yeah. So the other question was, have you guys been having conversations about the future of theater? theater and, and any insights that you can share yeah. from those conversations? You know, we're both kind of doing okay. It's very, it's scary to think. It it feels, to me, to both of us, it feels like maybe it's not really going to be happening again until the new year. That's just kind of like what it feels like. Who knows if that's real or whatever. We're not scientists. I don't know. You know, it just kind of feels like that right now. And it's been really hard because we both miss it so much. Yeah. Um. And I'm hoping slash I think seeing that there's a lot of, um, and I by no means like that people have to do this because there is enough going on right now. And I get it that it's not the time for a lot of people, but I do think that there is a lot of creation happening um, that I'm kind of, I'm like intrigued to see what that's going to be in six months to a year. We're both writing a lot, you know, and also we're realizing even though clearly neither of us would choose to have this pandemic on, there's a lot of work that we're doing that would have not not happened um, if we didn't have this weird concentrated time. And I think my guess is a lot of people, whether they're writing now or how it shows up later in their art, like the way it affects them, it's going to, it's going to be different. And I think, which is like kind of an exciting way. It's just not going to be what it was. Yeah it's shaken up everything. So I'm kind of excited to see like when people are able to act again, how that comes out on stage, how that's changed who they are. And I'm yeah. trying to look towards that because it really is sad. Like we, we miss it. You know, we're all built, we're built to perform. To be, 
to perform in the two with, yards of the ticket with a com- and be a part of a community that meets in person. Like that's yes. our nature. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm just kind of choosing to think about that part of it right now because it's kind of too too depressing the other way. But I really am hoping that it's like it doesn't go longer than that. But listen, we have to be safe. Yeah, of course. So before we go, is there a little known fact about you that you can share? Yes, there is. I was thinking about this. Um, My very first crush ever was on Patrick Swayze. (laughs) (laughs) I was four. Big year for me, four. And I saw him in Dirty Dancing and like okay. something came over me. My mom said she was like, oh my God, like she's four. What's going on right now? <laughs> I just watched that movie. <laughs> like, I didn't even understand what was happening. Now I think I understand there's this very handsome man who was like an artist, you know, he was a dancer. He's very passionate. I think I understand now. Yeah. Um, but man, oh man, man alive. <laughs> That's a really good one. Yeah. And took me by surprise. Yeah, I did not expect were you that. Like a different. We expect. I, love that. I don't it. know what we're expecting, but I love it. I love it, Lauren Marcus. I love talking to you. I love having you in my life. This planet is so too. lucky that you are living on it, and I cannot wait to get to be in the same room with you and tell Doesn't you all nice? those things. Yeah. Um, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Clouds can make the wind blow. Little Known Facts is edited by Nicholas Klar and recorded in New York City.